This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ah, hello everybody. How are you? You good? All good. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Dangerous Dinners podcast. I am your host through the best and worst takeaways delivering to us tonight. And um, we have got a busy old episode today. Woof! We got a big one. So do you know what? No dilly-dallying from me today. Um, if you like what you hear, scroll down. Give us a like, a rating, a review. Hit that button. Give us all that good stuff. And today's podcast episode is brought to you by two good friends of mine, actually, uh, powering today's episode. Friend one, shout out Fresh Grills. We love you guys. We love Fresh Grills on this show. They specialize in outdoor cooking equipment, including those um, really cool ceramic outdoor ovens. You know, those those egg-shaped ovens. They make pizza ovens as well. I've actually got one of those egg-shaped Komodo oven barbecues. They sent me one, and it is so sick. It has changed up my barbecuing game, right? Never before have I actually been able to slow cook ribs. And I did it because of my Fresh Grills um, egg-shaped barbecue. So thanks for that. They can also refine your experience with their range of fuels. They've got so many flavors and flavor profiles to help infuse your food. All their high-quality equipment is versatile and can allow you to master cooking styles and techniques you never thought possible. Right from the back of your own yard. Grill, smoke, sear, slow cook, roast, bake. It's all there. They're based in the UK. They are passionate about outdoor lifestyles, right? We love you, Fresh Grills. Free nationwide delivery, 30 days money-back guarantee, and a two-year warranty for all products. Um, They're also on social media. They're on Facebook, Twitter, all that good stuff. Fresh Grills. Go and check them out. Um, They have, like, revolutionized my barbecuing game. We love you. So thanks to Fresh Grills. And also thank you to my favorite, my favorite golf club in the north of the UK, The Mere. Ah, they are also powering today's episode. I love the Mere. It's one of my favourite golf clubs in the um, in the northwest of England. It's just beautiful. Um, I love it there. So thank you so much to the guys at the Mere as well for helping today's episode. We love you. Keeping the podcast sailing. So Fresh Grills and the Mere, go and check them out. Anyway, enough of that. Should we crack on with today's episode? So today's guests are Rick Shields and Guy Charnock. So Rick Shields, he is the biggest golf YouTuber in the world. There is no other way to cut it. Just short of 2 million subscribers on YouTube. He is massive. In what he does, golf YouTube, there ain't a bigger bloke. All right, Guy Charnock is the man behind the brand. He is the guy that's helped grow Rick's audience through the roof over the last few years. They host a podcast together. They've got a Facebook channel, a YouTube channel. They do everything. If you love golf, if you love social media, this episode is for you. Should we get them on? The Dangerous Dinners Podcast with your host, Tom Green. One celebrity guest, one spin of the roulette wheel, and a tour of the best and worst takeaways, which are delivering to us tonight. What will it land on? We let fate decide. 
up for grabs today, we have the poorly reviewed Kansas Fried Chicken, everybody's favorite, Lahore Karahi, and if it all goes wrong, Pizza Palace. But before we do that, it's time to meet our celebrity guest. They're famous, they're funny, and they just arrived downstairs. It's time to bring them up. Please welcome. It's Rick Shields and Guy Charnock, everybody. Hello. <laughs> Energy. Yeah. Well, it's a big opener. It's a big introduction, and it's two very big guests. Well, I'm pleased to be on because you've told me we're going to be eating some food, which I'm excited about. Yeah. I don't know what we're eating yet. No, the roulette wheel will decide. Oh, that sounds good to me. Gents, welcome to the Dangerous Dinners podcast. It's strange because we almost should be welcoming you to our studio. It, it's weird to because we were going to do this because we're in Manchester now so I was here for a radio show yeah, and we were talking about back and forth about getting you guys on the show and you said why don't you just come to the the studio and now I'm in the place that I watch quite regularly <laughs> uh, it's very exciting good I'm glad you like is it is it smaller than you thought bigger different or what I think it's bigger than I thought it was going to be that's what she said. Yeah, that is, she's never said that to me though. She's never ever said that, and it does make me it does make me sad. We're in a cool little vibey part of Manchester, mm. in a cool little media set, a media centre. That's what we're going to call it. Um, in the Rick Shields offices, you've got staff running around, drinks being offered. This is exactly how I envisaged it. They're working for you today. Good man. Matt, Matt, before, by the way, when you just nipped out, went, who is this? <laughs> oh, cheers, Matt. I, I, I Thanks, hadn't, mate. I hadn't told him we're doing this. <laughs> oh, is that? Yeah, we hadn't actually. It was like, are like, we doing another podcast? I was like, well, we are, but it's actually not our podcast. It's going to be Tom's podcast. Um, but no, excited. I was listening to you this morning on the radio. Oh, thanks, mate. Because <clears throat> recently, you might have known, I'm a, I've become a massive football Huge fan. Huge football you fan. You're a proper lad now, right? Proper, proper lad. Yeah. Right. Let's get a tattoo tomorrow, aren't you? Millwall, a Millwall <laughs> tattoo. <laughs> and um, I, I, I reckon I switch between three things when I drive to work and listen to. I'll listen to podcasts. Yeah. Not my own, but podcasts. <laughs> I'll listen to now, Talk Sport. I'll listen to Apple Music. And I'll flick between certain radio stations and um, jumped on yours this morning. thought you were bloody brilliant thanks mate so i've got 10 slots on my car that you can obviously save radio stations yeah only four of them are being used at the moment so it's got a one in six chance of you being. you could become number five <laughs> that would be a privilege <laughs> my man so you, you, your station could become number five um, no promises, right? But we'll see what happens. This my, is like my an other, interview, isn't it? To be the fifth <laughs> slot in Rick's car. My, my other ones. So I've got Talksport now at number three. Yeah, I've got uh, Radio One as number one, Capital Manchester number two, Ooh. and then number four, Capital Reloaded. It's called it's an old school. Oh, bang. like an old school banger station. Oh, that's that's probably one of my favorite. Like Friday afternoon, finishing here today after having a whatever we're going to be eating today. A couple yeah. of Coronas. Retro tunes will be on. Why don't you tell Tom your favourite song ever? And as a radio DJ, he can rate it of how good of a song it is. Ooh. Go on. Uh, my favourite song ever. I've got two. Okay, well, the one I'm thinking of. Uh, Kanye West, American Boy. A great song with Estelle. Estelle. Yeah. It's ridiculous. That is a banger, man. It's when he used to be normal. Yeah. Weird. It's yeah. got a bit strange, not a fan it? of Donda, personally. I've not listened to it. Apparently, it's absolutely shocking. I don't like it. And then uh, Gangster's Paradise. Okay, yeah, 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 cool. That's a. I didn't think this school. would be so. I didn't think you'd be so gangster. Oh yeah, he is gangster. Oh yeah, God, I, I have a very clean image on my YouTube videos, but yeah. in real life, I am gangster. Re- <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone has shortened gangster to gank before. 
That's <laughs> really cool, now. man. Thanks, I know. As he's drinking his Vimto. Vimto zero, sugar free. Which is what I do. <laughs> Pretty cool, runs the golf channel, hashtag gank. That's <laughs> what ASAP Rocky says as he rolls around New York, I think. <laughs> I think it could be the uh, title for my album. Yes. When I release an album. Um, well, welcome both to the Dangerous Dinners podcast. For people that don't know, Rick, how would I describe you? You run the biggest golf YouTube channel in the world. Yeah, nailed it. That's quite impressive, right? You know what? It's one of those things when I first started off YouTube about eight, well, my first ever video was nine years ago. Um, I'd never, ever envisioned myself as being a YouTuber. Like that wasn't a role. That yeah. wasn't. A, that was not a job back then. Um, now it's the number one job that young people want to be in. Mm-hmm. Like if you ask people at school, career advisors now must be going, bloody hell, you want to be a YouTuber? <laughs> yeah. If I'd have said that when I was at school, that would have been lots of funny, but I am a YouTuber now. That is my job. I'm a YouTuber. Um, and we have strands off the side of that. I'm also a Facebooker. <laughs> sure you are, yeah. I'm a podcaster. Uh, I'm a, still a PGA golf professional. Um, I'm a father. I'm a husband. But yeah. As, as work, we've got a golf media business, YouTube being the biggest platform, uh, fast approaching 2 million subscribers. We've just got over 1.8 at the moment. Um, you know, the channel itself, like I mentioned, we've got nearly 2,000 videos on the channel. And quite thankfully, we've had 437 million views. Which is insane. Well, when you get paid a pound per view... Yeah, it, ra- it racks up. Does well. So that's what, rich, That's why man. we've got the studio. Oh, <laughs> bought this in cash. I already wish. No, but you know, it started off not as a money making thing. It started off as a um, tool to get people into my coaching studio because I was at Manchester Trafford Centre at the time. And uh, in the last six, seven years, you know, as I mentioned, got staff, brought guy on, got three editors, looking to extend the team even more. Um, that kind of now has become it's a full-time job full-time position which is crazy full-time career and how much golf gear do you get sent is it just piling up somewhere well my wife today i mean she's been used to it for a long time i get stuff sent here sometimes but now and again i get sent stuff sent to the house yeah she texted me earlier on saying uh let's put it now you have loads of parcels today oh wow and you know what's mad tom I still get excited about opening golf clubs. Must be the coolest thing. Like it's, how can you not enjoy opening golf clubs? So um, I do get sent a lot. I have uh, store units. I've got a nice little setup at my at my home where I've got a a garage simulator. We'll have a few bits in. Not a lot at home though. And it's just you know it collects up. I like collecting clubs. I don't particularly do anything with them. Just in case you know in the future, if if let's say a brand brings out a product that's very similar to another brand, I like to know that I've got that club to test it with if I need to. And also, you know, when I'm old and grey and I do a car boot sale one day and I've got all these clubs it's to sell. Egg. It's, yeah, it's, that is. That's the mortgage it's, it's right my retirement. Rick's not invested 400 million pounds. He's wasted that, but he's got a nest egg <laughs> and loads of Callaway irons. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Spent so it get, all on booze on nights out. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, um, new clubs are good, exciting. And we get, I get sent like loads of random things so even like fan mail and stuff like they, I had a yeah. wallet sent through the other day which had my logo on it we're looking at um, I've had a, recently I've had a pair of sunglasses that help you find golf balls easy apparently sure so it's not only golf clubs it's it's things related to golf things related to me or my logo whatever it may be uh, but that's all fun it's all nice to receive presents in it yeah and this podcast we normally get music guests on we've had a lot of TV guests we have a lot of sort of people in strange lines of work I do consider this episode very self-indulgent for me because yeah. I'm a big fan of what you guys you're a big golf fan I'm a massive golf fan massive golf er as well so yeah three times a week 
Oh, wow. I'm, I'm addicted. Well, That's me. more than us, yeah. I'm where'd 100% you, addicted. Where do you play? Can play, you say? Yeah, Muswell Hill in London. Okay. Uh, but you're from this way, aren't you? I'm from originally from Preston. I talk yeah. about Preston all the time on, on radio shows and this podcast. But I bought a house in London, in Muswell Hill. Okay. And I started playing there. And it was it, golf's been a weird one for me. I always wanted to be a radio and TV presenter. And that was my sort of escape from school and whatever. And then when that became my job it becomes this whole other thing. Like, I guess you guys don't go and play golf that much for joy anymore. No. Very rarely. So I had this thing where I didn't know what my hobbies were anymore. I'd get interviewed for stuff. And I remember I got interviewed for GQ and they said, well, what do you do outside of work? I had no answer. And that's quite scary to know, okay, well, what, what is, who, uh, who am I? Mm. Outside of this media radio thing. So I started playing golf again from being a junior golfer and it has taken over my whole life. I find when I see people who get into golf it becomes an obsession oh, very quickly. And yeah. I think it's because you can never beat golf and you can, you've can. you always got a milestone. So you start off like, right, I want to play a full 18 holes and break 100. After six months, a year, that happens. Then it's like, right, now I've got to break 95. That happens. Break 90. There's always things to try and improve on. Mm. And you'll never have the perfect round of golf. You'll always hit bad shots. But then when you hit that one good one, it's just almost like a drug and you mm. want more of it. You do get obsessed quickly. And my girlfriend says, I, if I come back after a bad round of golf, she'd be like, you're in a vile mood. <laughs> it does something to me like it, yeah. I'm so angry, mm. but I will finish a bad round of golf, bad round of 18 holes. And I'll go, right. I just want to go back out there because I know I can do better. Yeah. It's been so good for my mental health. It's been so good for sort of every part of my life, actually, like getting back into golf three times a week. I play off 12, which is okay. That's good. It's fine. The UK average is 18. So yeah. it's good. It's all right. And all I want to do is break. <laughs> Uh, 70. I want to get below. I want to be shooting in the 70s. Yeah. That's my, would that be breaking? Break 80. 80. Break 80. Yeah. So that's all I want to do at the moment. That's my big, that's my big thing. And you've never done that yet? No. That'll come. That, that's like eight over at my course. Yeah. Which is, that's like unbelievable levels of golf. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's insane. When are we ordering food, by the way? Well, this is what we're going to do now. This is the problem with this podcast, we're chatting, you don't get the sort of, the features done. So I've got normally a roulette wheel, which mm. I bring with me, which I've actually lost, which is quite annoying. How'd you lose a roulette, uh, a roulette wheel? I have no idea. It's somewhere between my house up north and my house in London. Never mind. The, the concern so somewhere I, in Birmingham. <laughs> yeah, somewhere, yeah. The concern I've got is I'm quite a fussy eater. Brilliant. So, Very fussy. Um, um, Rick, what's your food level like? What, what would be really bad for you here? Bad for me... We get to order what we want from that place, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. within reason. And what is it? Is it, are we, are we, is it genre of food or restaurants? So on the wheel tonight, we've got high quality Indian, low quality Indian, high quality Chinese, low quality Chinese, oh. McDonald's, KFC, uh, Burger King, uh, Greg's and Donna Kebabs. I don't like Donna None of them would offend me. Donna really? Kebabs would offend me. I don't get chips. If none none of them would offend okay. me. Do you want to count me in and I'll spin the wheel? Three, two, one, spin the wheel. <laughs> And it's landed on 21. Which is? Which is Donna Kebabs. Oh. Is it honestly? Is it, actually, <laughs> yeah. is it honestly Donna Kebabs? Yeah. Red 21, Donna Kebabs. Oh yeah. my God. As this is a, a golf kind of podcast. Sort one of. of. The, one of the popular, well, it kind of in the sense that Rick's a golfer. Yeah. Often one of the golfers things is a mulligan, where if you hit a bad shot, you get to go again. Right. So, have you ever had a mulligan on the wheel? Is we, that strictly not allowed? Um, no, because this what week's... What like about Donna Kebab? Yeah, what's your beef here, man? My, my beef the, is it's not beef, beef it's lamb. <laughs> so, my beef is actually that the other day, weirdly, I watched a programme about how they make Donna Kebabs, oh. and even though I've never really had one, it put me off for life, so... Um, but it's fine, I can get some fries. I'm happy to go again. Well, that, is that allowed? Or is oh, that no, now? there's no going again. Oh, no. Donna Kebabs are on. 
Okay. Sorry, gents. <laughs> um, Have I you found one? <laughs> Here we go. Okay. Uh, Kebab Kingdom. That sounds dodgy. How does that sound? No, not great. Sorry, Kebab Kingdom. Um, Turkish Kebab House. Yeah. Sounds a bit nicer. Yeah, that's me. Okay, fine. What do you want? What's the options? Kebabs. Yeah, special mixed chicken kebab. Chicken Tur- kebab with spicy kofta mixed. Turkish, what's it called? Turkish Kebab House. Turkish Kebab House. Takeaway online menu. Yeah. You have to have a kebab because there's plenty on the menu that's not kebab. It depends how friendly I feel. Can I get just a side order of fries? Is that- oh, please. God. I'll have a lamb sheesh kebab. Okay, cool. I can do that. <laughs> please? Okay, it's placing order now. Is it weird I'm starting to get more fond of the idea? Of a kebab? Yeah. Yes, Rick. I- I'm actually, honestly, when it comes, I'm going to crack open a corona. What, what are you going to learn about Rick? He's, yeah. he's a very, very nice man, but he's a very, uh, is it fickle the word, Rick? We can change the mind fickle? on things. Is that the right word? It depends what you mean. A very influenced. Influence, <laughs> oh, he's influenced like, by in- other people. No, no, just... Like I go with the trend, right? <laughs> but then he gets very into stuff, and then he can drop it very easily so, as well. So I might, I might be a, like, I'm really getting to doner kebabs after this. I'm sure for a while, or sheesh kebabs or whatever. Yeah, give it a couple of weeks, and I'll be off. Everyone again. Everyone again. Yeah. It's we've got about 45 minutes nice. till the food turns it's up. A funny story. Yeah. Go. Right. <clears throat> so got to talk about Preston, talking about doner kebabs, which is where I'm from and where you went to college. college. Yeah. So I used to go out loads in Preston, mm-hmm. and right near the nightclub, Tokyo Joe's, as we spoke about before, there was that. Um, food place, yum yums. Yep. Right. Somehow, somehow, I discovered another takeaway, which was m- like a ten-minute walk away, which obviously doesn't make any sense, right? No. This takeaway was mega, really, really good, mega food. Can't remember the name of it. Sorry for not the shout out. Anyway, I, in there, a little bit leery, a little bit drunk, a little bit chatty as I am, I kind of managed to somehow negotiate a deal with said takeaway place that if they gave me free food. Okay. Sure. I would take a handful of leaflets with me back to A, the nightclub, and hand them out in the taxi queue, and B, back to college and hand them out around college for deliveries. Right. Wednesday after Wednesday after Wednesday, I went to this, I went to nightclub and went to this takeaway. Wednesday after Wednesday, they gave me free food. Wednesday after Wednesday, they gave me these flyers. Wow. I handed. Zero. Oh, I knew oh, to say that. <laughs> you didn't just bin them. Oh. I didn't bin them. I just I recycled them. Sure. But they were. <laughs> that is, that, that <laughs> is bad. That is bad for Rick Shields' brand, I feel. That's, That's not right. the man that I was led to believe no. you were. I've, cha- I've changed since then. Okay, fine. I would, uh, yeah. Um, I don't know what I'd do different, but yeah, that's what I did. God, that's clever. I had a friend, this was this was quite good, uh, takeaway vibes. He used to go to a similar takeaway in Preston who would do one pound food delivery, which was far cheaper than a taxi back to his house. So he'd order his food, get it get delivered to his house, but get a lift with a guy dropping the food off for a pound. That's really clever. That. That's genius. Ridiculous. Do you think, right, speaking about takeaways, that's actually ridiculous. Today's a fri- we're recording this on a Friday. Uh-huh. This is the day I would if I ever get a takeaway. Friday or Saturday is normally my takeaway day. And... Although I am fussy, I do like Chinese, I like Indian, etc. Am I right in saying the excitement of a takeaway is often better than the actual experience of said takeaway? 100%. Because I, I, I'll order, like a Just Eat, right? Yeah. We'll debate for 10 minutes of what we're having. We'll finally decide what we're having. We'll order it. 45 minutes, watching it, on, watching it come like the time come down, the knock on the door, you get the plates ready, yep. the knock on the door, I normally go to the door, Abby's getting the plates ready, open it, thank you, come back in, open all the bag, get all the stuff out, oh it looks nice, four mouthfuls in, bit full already. Bit over it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, why is that? I have this regularly with curry. 
Yeah, hundred percent with curry. I also get curry regret afterwards as well. <laughs> I get curry regret. Like you've eaten it all, and you're like, oh my god, I'm a fat idiot, and it wasn't even that good. And it also cost me thirty quid. Yes, curries in London are a fortune. I spent so much money on takeaway. Question: Do you ever get curry nail? I have no idea what that means. Right. Honestly, it's not. This can't just be me. When you've had <laughs> curry, is when this you've a sexual had, thing, <laughs> I wish. When you've had curry, sometimes the next day your nails are almost stained and it doesn't come off. I know I'm not uh, alone, and my friends have had it before, so I'm not alone. Have you ever had that? I've never had it, but I'm aware of how that could happen. No, yeah. you, I use cutlery. I was going to say, no, I eat it authentically with get with bread. No, but it happens. <laughs> don't know how it gets. Is that what you mean? Is that what you do on the floor? Knees crossed. <laughs> no, but what I do do is I, I sometimes I'll rip, rip off a bit of garlic naan. Oh, always yeah. garlic. Oh yeah. About the size of a palm and I'll put it around a piece of chicken oh. with a bit of rice and eat it like a little dumpling I've never done that oh wow never I've never had just like they do either. in India exactly um, we, <laughs> I feel like we're, not, we're we're struggling to get into the podcast here I don't, have you got have you got what's the question oh my god I've got so much to ask Let's you go. right, okay we, we've had a bit, I think we need to remember Rick this isn't our podcast yeah we're I feel like our guest yeah here. I know um, well I want to start how most people know you both which is golf youtube right how did it all start out what was the what was the thinking of getting into the youtube business so it was really interesting at the time i've i've always been a big fan of social media growing up from i so kind of i grew up with social media mm. um msn but that was the first one you know what i'd never i missed that one weirdly. really myspace was the first first one oh, MySpace was good <clears throat> so myspace i was really early adopter to that i remember friends of mine not, I, I always loved introducing people to myspace like some, you're on MySpace and go, no, what's MySpace? They go, oh, let me show you. And I love that experience of showing them what it was. And yeah. you can add me, I can be your first friend and all this. Top right? friends, did you used to rank top friends? Oh, top friends was good. And yeah. design your page and everything. And I used to, I just loved MySpace so much at the time. And then Facebook came on. And again, I was very, very early adopted to that. A friend of mine was over in college in America who is from the UK. And he, um, he came back and said, have you heard about Facebook? I'm like, no, what's Facebook? And he told me, and I'm like, oh, this amazing yeah. and again i told all my mates and i was like really into it and then when youtube kind of started to surface i just remember loving youtube as the platform it was originally it was fun videos a panda sneezing or you know what i mean it was just it was it wasn't you didn't really learn a great deal from it at the time when i when it first started but it was just a great you know way of being able to it, um, <clears throat> soaking content and then you start to use it on how do I do stuff how do I change a light bulb how do I do this how, and the, all these answers yeah. so I used to love it for that as well when I started golf coaching I started to grow my business as a golf coach I wanted to utilize social media and again I was really early on Twitter I loved Twitter when it first came out and I remember other golf pros saying to me why are you doing Twitter like what's the purpose right. spending all this time on Twitter and at the time I didn't know the answer and still to this day, I've never made a penny off Twitter. I've never had a check from Twitter, but I've made money from Twitter externally from people finding my profile. It's a promo tool. Of course it is. Yeah. So at the time, I had no idea. So my love of technology, my love of social media, my love of golf weirdly kind of collided into this, well, this all kind of fits together a little bit. That was where I first started. It was back in about 2012. And there was there was a few golf YouTubers already doing things, but very, very little. And I thought, well, I, I think I can do this. I, I fancy a bit of this. So I just started filming myself, not very good, not very well, on my phone, on my tablet, or whatever it may be. And start, I didn't know how to edit, no knowledge of editing, but started to kind of form ways of doing it. 
And then it was all to encourage people to come for a lesson with me. That was the number one goal. Yeah, to get people in your base. So you 100%. made money from when the lessons came in, right? Because when, again, at a similar time, I wanted to, the only way you could tell people who you were was through golf magazines. It's the only way you could do it. Like I knew golf coaches through golf magazines. Right. Once I tried to, as a 20 year old kid, thinking I'd, it was all that, approach these golf magazines. They were like, uh, we've, we have a hundred of you emailing us every day asking right. to be in the magazine. So um, I started doing YouTube videos and just fell in love with the process, fell in love with making videos, coming up with the ideas, releasing them, seeing the analytics. Oh my God, 10 people have watched in the first hour or 100 people have watched in the first day and just loved all of that. Like, that was amazing. And it gets to a point where I was making videos and then suddenly, light bulb moment, someone who rang up and he was from Newcastle. Um, and he has, to, he has to pass a thousand golf pros to get to me. And he saw me on YouTube and said, I love your video. Can I come and book a lesson with you? And it was like, bingo. There you that, go. That's it. I've, that's the reason why I've done it. And then kind of slowly but surely, I started making more videos. Slowly but surely, I got more clients in through the door and I became the busiest golf coach at Trafford. And, and arguably, I think the busiest golf coach in the country at the time. I was doing like 60 odd hours lessons a week. And, and 90% of these students now were coming from YouTube. They'd see me on YouTube. And the benefit of, of that as well is when a student would come to me for a lesson from YouTube, they were just so engaged. Yeah, like excited if I told to be them to do something, they would just do it because yeah. they already trusted my process, which was really exciting as well. When did the videos change? When did they go from, okay, I'm going to create a swing thought here or I'm going to try and, you know, show you how to chip? to go, I'm going to play with a golf ball that shoots a golf ball out. Even now, I'll still make, and we've made a couple this week, where it is just a straight-up coaching video. In this video, I'm going to show you how to do this, this, and this. The way it's presented is different, because back in the day, it would have been much longer form. It would have been much kind of almost how I would present a coaching point if I was in person, to a degree. Like, it was a lot of, hi, I'm Rick Shields. I'm down here at such a place. This is what a beautiful day it is. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And it, and that was the style back then because there was no other real blueprint to that. Where now, because of, again, YouTube has evolved, we've learned what's better on YouTube. It's like straight to the point. You want to fix your slice? I'm going to show you how to fix this slice. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't even, you don't, have, you don't have to know my name. You don't have to know who I am. I'm going to show you. And if you've enjoyed it, you're going to watch more videos. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how it works. If you fix your slice from this video, like this, if you watch the whole the way through, YouTube knows you enjoyed that video. We're going to feed you more of those videos. We know you liked Rick. You don't even have to know his name. After five videos, they might go, who is this guy? I keep seeing him. Oh, it's Rick. Oh, I actually really like this guy. Oh, he's played with a wooden ball or he's done this or he's done that. Or, you know, I'm going to subscribe to him because I actually really like him. And then you invest. Oh, he does a podcast. Wow. I didn't know the yeah. podcast. Oh, he has a Facebook page. Wow. I didn't know he did that. So sometimes a piece of content caps you in at different angles, yeah. really. Or like I say, the really, really fun videos where I'll have a, a golf club that shoots, automatically shoots something out. That's to really aim at non-golfers. Mm. So the, I think the only thing that has changed, I think very much when I first started off, I only thought about golfers. I'm speaking to golfers and that is it. There's no, other, there's no other people that are going to watch these videos. What we've now become a lot more aware of, and I think that's why the growth of the channel has become so significant, is that I'm, I've opened those blinkers up to people who have a little bit of an interest in golf, people who may be thinking about starting golf, 
people who maybe just like sport, mm. maybe just people who want to see wacky things on the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that whole spectrum now has got a lot bigger than what it was when I was only talking to golfers. I think that's the thing. If you look back at Rick's channel and go on like the very old videos, there's always been this kind of three-pronged attack that there's coaching videos, there's entertaining videos, and there's club reviews. And ultimately, that's not changed this day, really. It's just that now we're so mu- we actually understand that a lot more. I don't think at the time you probably even really realised that's what you were doing. It was a happy accident. Yeah. Once we kind of properly sat down and went, oh, what content works? What do people like? Mm. Yeah. What, they bring- what, what content brings in subscribers? What content just brings in views? What content do we see the best retention for? So we've become a lot better. Like, Guy's really good at looking at the analytics. Mm. Um, so... I- there's no point in time where I went, boom, that's where we're going to change things. It's just been kind of gradual. And sometimes it's probably taken bigger jumps. Sometimes we've had to be a bit brave and try a piece of content we're not sure about or something new. I think if I was still making content for my original subscriber base, we wouldn't have seen growth. Like the original yeah. subscriber base wants what they originally saw but it evolves. I think I entered the stream of YouTube because I'm a self-confessed YouTube golf addict yeah. completely. And I feel like I entered the stream where a lot of people did, which is watching you and Pete yeah. and other golfers play together. Yeah. And I watched that and I loved that. And it was like 40 minute videos or whatever. Well, you'll love tonight's video. Oh yes, it's the return, right? 57 minutes it is tonight. <laughs> what a joy. But it's it's interesting because none of those videos stick in my mind. I don't think I finished half of them. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. You just sort of, they're just sort of on and background and I enjoyed it, but I wasn't paying any interest, right? Yeah. Whereas now I can name you videos that you've done and go, there's that, there's that, there's that. Yeah. And I guess that's the evolution. Yeah. Yeah, like I say, we were even joking just before, like one of the first ever course vlogs I did, as, as you described, kind of going out with Pete or friends of mine, I went to Royal Lytham, amazing golf course. Mm-hmm. We did six, I did a six part video with Andy Carter. Wow. Six parts. <laughs> I did a, I did a part, get into the golf course. <laughs> yeah. A part was getting to the golf course and going on the driving range. <laughs> and it's like now that would be... Yeah, I th- five seconds of my video. Mm. I think what you, what you've, this sounds bizarre, but what I've learned to do the most, which sounds so backwards, is not to necessarily listen to the comments on social media because that's they that's all they ask for. Exactly, right? because really all, hardcore fans. Exactly, yeah. they they follow Rick on every platform, which is great. We obviously we really love that. But what they want to see, or what they think they want to see, like you said, his video with Rick, with Pete every week, 18 holes, with now a long format. But like you just said then yourself, if you look at the actual stats of it, the views aren't always as that great, and the retention's not that great. So people are actually loving it, they'd be watching it all the way through, and the views would be through the roof. Mm. So we've almost taken this approach of, listen to what people say to some degree, but numbers don't lie. Yeah. Um, certainly like things like retention, you can see how long the viewers are watching for, and if they're dropping off after half the video, it's not a good video. That's a good sign. Well, that's it, like you say mentioned before but i think they're the people what people think they remember because we probably did so many of them i did so many back in the day with matches with Pete or carter or fryer or other people so i reckon that's why people probably remember them more but as you mentioned nobody remembers what actually happened no. there's no there's no story it's nostalgia it. isn't it it's like yeah. then we know about before about myspace in a weird way but oh, i wish myspace was still here it was compared to what we've got now yeah it's not nothing, is and it? i think i look back fondly on it because I remember being in my flat and it being like winter exactly. and me enjoying these it's videos. It's not the video, getting, it's no, everything it's around it. It's the time. Yeah. Um, do you want to go to the food section of the podcast right now? Is it here? No, not yet. This is a, this is a bit of the podcast okay. we're now going to do. Play the jingle. Food. It's the food 
section. Food. What a lovely jingle that was. Loved it. It's so good, right? So we do this every single week because we got so many emails about people going, you never talk about food on the, in this show. <laughs> and people are quite sad by that. So we've started doing the food section. Um, three questions which are the same to every single guest. This is to both of you. Okay. Um, you commit a hideous crime and you're both in jail and you're on death row. You have one final meal. It's starter, main, dessert. Rick, what are you having? I feel like I should know the answer to this. I know mine. Guy, do you want to start while Rick like, thinks? Yeah. So my starter is going to be really frowned upon, very boring, but it's garlic bread with yeah. marinara on it, like the tomato kind of sauce. Okay. I know it's plain. My main, fillet steak. Lovely. This is going to be a food sin now. You ready? Yeah. Well done. What? Yeah. That is a proper food sin. It is. And I know, you know what? That's how I like my steak. Well done, like a burger. Not yeah, but not burnt. Just I can I can go with medium well. So medium well fillet uh-huh. steak. Okay. I then want peppercorn sauce, Lovely. copious amounts. I want medium sized chips. So not a fry and not a messy a thick cut, but mm-hmm. a medium style style chip. I then want a side of onion rings, and while I'm on death row, I want a side of mac and cheese as well. Lovely. And then dessert, I'm gonna go for a sticky toffee pudding. Ugh. Well, how would you rate that meal? It's really good, man. The sticky toffee pudding is said a lot. Yes. Sticky toffee pudding is so common as people's final dessert. I, I also, you've gone carby, which I like. Oh, okay. I always go carby. You know what? I wasn't into sticky you have toffee pudding. You don't have to run it off, do you? Well, yeah. <laughs> really not. I wasn't into sticky toffee pudding. I got it from a wedding, from a dessert, and it really, from then on, because I like the contrast of the steaming hot pudding with the cold ice cream, some yeah. of that contrast that really works. Did, did you know this question was coming? No, but I just feel I like... I think we did this with Pete, did we? Possibly did. We might have done. that one. Um, okay. Starter. It's a bizarre one, and I'm going to go through different... Th- these meals don't really go with each other. Okay. Um, six poppadoms. Wow. Okay. <laughs> with Sorry, I think with six onion... Uh, red onions, pots. Like the little pickle trays. And six on- uh, mango chutney. <laughs> okay. Because okay. each poppadom, I think, deserves a full chutney and a full onions on. Right, okay. So it's like soggy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So eat six of them and then four onion barges that I'll dip up with the rest of the mango chutney. Yeah. Okay. That's my starter. Yeah. Think about my main for a minute. My dessert would possibly be, but it'd have to be a big one. I really like creme brulee. Lovely. But it's too small. So a big creme brulee. Okay. Because creme brulee is like... Tiny. That's what I mean. And you're about to die, so... so like a big... Like a pie like size... A, a tray of tray creme brulee. Of creme brulee. Okay. And then main course. Hmm. I thought this would be easier. I feel like I would say steak, but I don't know if I would. I like steak, but I fear about choking. <laughs> You're about to about die. Choking. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Take yourself out. Eat a steak, but just don't chew. <laughs> <laughs> um, Is it good having a guest that's so indecisive that it gives you more content or would rather have gone duh, duh, duh? It's, we, we get a mix. We really get a mix. Like I do enjoy a proper foodie. We had um, we had Cray Parkinson on the show, mm-hmm. lovely Cray Parkinson, who's in Line of Duty. Yeah, um, uh, he plays DCI Doc Cotton in the first three series, and he's a massive foodie. And it's fascinating hearing him talk about food. But we had Maisie Peters on, just signed to Ed Sheeran's label, very exciting artist. We had her last week, and she had no idea what she did. She said, "And I quote, I don't really, I'm not that bothered about food." Wow! Thanks for coming on a food podcast. Yeah, last one. Yes, Rick. Okay. Go. Yeah. That's your main course. Yeah. It's, so, poppadoms. Poppadoms. Chutney, I'm, loads of chutney. I'm going for a lot of round <laughs> foods. Shape. Sure, Just the pizza, pizza now. Ra- be very round poppadoms. Uh-huh. Round brulee, but a big one. Mm-hmm. And the middle is a pizza. I've, 
this is a food sin I think a lot of people wouldn't like, but I'm actually not going to choose this, right? A lot of people have a big problem with Hawaiian pizzas, don't they? It'd be a big time, yeah. Like, what, do you have a problem with it? I wouldn't eat it, it's not my thing. Do you have a problem with Hawaiian pizza? I I've got a problem with it, but I wouldn't eat it. Pineapple on pizza is, oh, is the concern. It's phenomenal. It's not get soggy and wow. No, it's phenomenal. Oh, no. But, so typically, I'm very, if, if I have an, a curry, I have poppadoms, chicken tikka masala, done. That, <laughs> yeah. that, that's my curry. As the, they do in Mumbai. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get asked. Like, when, I, when someone says, do you want a curry? I don't even look at the menu. I yeah. just know what I have. If I have a Chinese, I know what I have. I think chicken tikka masala would give you curry nail. Yes, 100%. Curry nail. Like crispy chili beef, ribs, duck for for Chinese. I know what I'm having Chinese. Pizza, normally, it would be Hawaiian. That's it. End of story. I have nothing else. Yeah. Recently, though, Uh Domino's have brought out a new pizza. Not how new it is, but it's new to me. Cheeseburger pizza. Oh, yeah, oh, I, have it. I have it. It's nice, isn't it? It's fun. <laughs> Without the gherkin, Without though. Without the gherkin. Yeah. I'd have it. I'd have it. Not just large. I want it extra large. Wow. With loads of garlic and herb dip. I'm a very dippy. I like sauce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any problem is I've not had any ketchup, and ketchup's my favourite sauce in the world. Where can I have ketchup? Maybe with the pizza. Or some, or some wedges. Can we can okay. we mention brands in this podcast or yeah. not? Because I've got a question then for you. I want to yes. hear your t- thoughts on this. I don't like Domino's. Now, when I say don't like it, I don't mean the taste. For me, I like fast food because it's convenient. However, putting a pizza in the oven for 20 minutes is a piece of cake. So easy. So I'm not inclined to order Domino's and spend 35 quid on a Domino's. I've done it occasionally to rip off. Wow. Do you agree or not? I agree for a completely different reason. A Domino's for me is like, if I want a pizza, I don't want a Domino's. I want a nice pizza. Ah, okay. Thin crust, artisan Authentic, yeah. sort of vibe, right? Bit, a bit of grass on top and all that. A little bit of grass, a little bit of truffle oil. Enjoy it, right? But if Domino's, and I do have a Domino's, ticks my Domino's hox. I'm with you. It's not... It's not a fancy pizza, it's a fancy, fancy Domino's. I fancy a heart attack getting delivered to me. Yeah. I want to feel sick afterwards. I, I swear they're like 400 calories a slice. Oh, Something yeah. I've learned recently as well, it's very much geared around big orders. Right. So recent, So if I ordered just a pizza, me and my, me and my missus, yeah. we could spend... 50 quid. That's and outrageous. It doesn't, it doesn't, 50 yeah, quid? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't feel you like you've really got You really are much. a YouTube millionaire, no, aren't listen, you? listen, right? You could, you could, like, 50 quid. Yeah, I've not ordered that much food. A couple of pizzas, a couple of sides, but maybe, maybe a Ben and Jerry's, right? I'd actually, can I throw a Ben and Jerry's into my dessert? <laughs> With the creme brulee? Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, however, we had friends round a couple of weeks ago, and, and again this weekend, where we probably ordered three times as much food, and it was still 50 quid. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah, we ordered like seven pizzas, large pizzas, loads of sides and everything. And there's this thing on the app where it's like Deal Wizard, Deal Wizard. It was like 110 quid <laughs> down to like 55 quid. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, whoa. Where, but if you you get punished if you only order it as, as a one or a two. It's yeah. not made for a solo eat. You're right. I think Domino's is made for the corporate market. Yeah. Yes. I think it's made for like, I'm going to get a load a of Domino's to the office. Yeah. Correct. Guys, we are moments away from the food turning up, by the way. Nice, I'm hungry it's nearly now. kebab time. <laughs> Does kebab mean beer's time as well? Yeah. Are we have the corona? I'd love a corona. What, um, I know you've probably said that on your show, yeah. but what is your, very quickly, what's your three meals for death row? You said no one's ever asked me. Shut up. That's so kind of you. Oh, you're welcome, Tom. Thanks, mate. Um, I would actually, weirdly, I would join you with uh, garlic bread to start. Oh, but great. But I'd get, I'd get garlic bread and mussels. 
Ooh. I'd get like a creamy, fresh mussels with a little very thin garlic bread on the side. And so you can dip it in the sauce. I know he's a foodie, but I'll use his hands to explain yeah. the food. Yeah. It looks good. Get, yeah, it looks good. Do you cook? Do you like cooking and stuff? I can. We, um, we do, um, what's it called now? Gusto. Yes, we you, do. Gusto. Yeah, I've got that. Yeah. Well, Abby does it, but we, yeah. yeah. Gusto with the food boxes turn up. Right. That's completely changed my cooking around because it's like, you know, I'm relatively busy. Em's quite busy, my girlfriend. So we get these boxes that turn up and it's just easy, ready to go. But the food's incredible. Have you had the burger? It's really good. Burger, oh, it's no. Honestly, it's really good. Gusto food, burger. Yeah, really nice. Shout out. So it'd be the mussels start fresh, creamy with yeah. uh, garlic bread. Nice. No mozzarella on there. That's thin, just a little bit mm-hmm. of cracked salt sort of thing. I like that. Um, main. Um, have you ever had salt baked fish? No, I'd hate that. So it's just like, okay. um, it's the, my favorite way of cooking fish. So you basically get, you get a massive fish, fresh fish, cover it in salt and like almost bury it in salt and cook it in the, it's like a mound of salt. You cook it in there, that then becomes hard and you can like tap out the fish. So the question is, is it not ultra salty then no, though? No, it's oh, just okay. the way, so salt baked is more just the method of cooking it. All right. So take the moisture out of the fish. And it keeps all the moisture in the fish. Ah, it's the freshest. Shows, shows how much I know tasty fish you ever have so you could crack it out and then you have what would you have that with then like just vegetables nice maybe maybe a couple of prawns on the side but i love fish i'm a big a big seafood fan so have that maybe a couple of chips on the side not not your thing i I don't do bones right yeah at at all really yeah and fish i like fish and chips and i like salmon right like salmon salmon not smoked salmon okay (laughs) that's it your food taste is quite straight down the middle right it is it's not i don't feel like i'm that fussy but it, it's just... You like what you like. Yes. Uh, yeah. You know, if somebody put it in front of me now, as you are, a meal that I might not be the biggest fan of, I'll yeah. eat it. If I, and if I went to a really fancy restaurant, not a problem. If it's the setting, it's the vibe, bit of garlic bread, bit of mussels, yeah, like, yeah. I'd, I'd know what to do. I wouldn't embarrass myself. Yeah. But I'd probably go, oh, I don't know if I fully love that. Right. You know what I mean? But that's all it is. So again, the dessert? Um... I'd probably join you on a stick to fit pudding. We've got very different, but yet quite similar. Meals. Yes. Yeah, they almost sound the same, but they're very yeah. different. They are very different, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a, it's for me, it's the traditional thing. It's the family thing. It reminds me of being at home. If I'm about to have my head blown off, I want to have that final nice moment. Yes. Um, and I'll have it all with red wine. A red lovely wine, bottle yeah, of like... A million percent. A lovely bottle of like a, um, quite a light red wine, like a Pinot Noir. Something like that, which is like a really fresh, light, not heavy. I like Malbec. That's me. Oh, that's complete opposite side. Yeah, that's, that's me. a Dump. big blow your socks off. Yeah, red. that's what I like to drink. Um, I like it when my teeth are red. <laughs> food's here. Cool. Nice. Do you want me to go and get it? I think it's, I think it's out front. Cold food, but hot guests. It's the Dangerous Dinners Podcast. Ah, okay. The food's just about to turn up. But a little bit more from me before we uh, before we do that. I just got to mention the two people who are really helping today's podcast episode out. They are powering today's episode. It is our friends at Fresh Grills. We love you, Fresh Grills. They are the specialists in outdoor cooking equipment, including egg-shaped Komodo ovens, those ceramic ovens, those really posh ones that you see outside that all the chefs have. They've got them and they've got pizza ovens, okay? You can refine your experience with their range of fuels. They've got an array of flavor profiles to help infuse your food. Uh, Their high-quality equipment is versatile and can allow you to master cooking styles and techniques you never thought possible from your own backyard. Grill, smoke, sear, slow cook, roast, bake. It does them all. I've got one of these barbecues and they are 
insane. We love you, Fresh Grills. They're based in the UK. They're passionate about outdoor lifestyles, free nationwide delivery, 30-day money-back guarantee, and a two-year warranty on all products. They're also on social media. Go and check them out. Fresh Grills. Also, shout out the Mia Golf Resort. We love you guys at the Mia. It's a golf club in the north of England. It's one of my favorites to play. Um, they've really helped today's episode out. I know Rick. I know Rick plays there a little bit. I played there quite a bit. It's one of my favorite golf clubs in the north of England. That and Preston Golf Club, where I first started, has to be shouted out. But the Mia, they're unreal. Their facilities are insane. It's a beautiful golf club on a lake in the north of England. Go and check it out. Thank you to the Mia and thank you to Fresh Grills for helping power this episode. Right, one more ad and then we're back with Rick and Guy. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. Warbyparker.com covered. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Okay, so do I talk now? Talk, just talk us through it. So it's it's just turned up. The oh, this this what time is it? It's not. It's quarter past two quarter p.m. Past, right? Uh huh. It's not quarter past two a.m. Is it? <laughs> no, because this is the time. When, are we having a beer? It's your office. I you Matt. Can we have? I'll have one. Go three on. beers, please. Um, Matt, my pizza box is very premium. It's premium. That's the first thing I'm going to say. It looks like I'm in Italy. Can I also shout out the delivery driver? (laughs) Because he knew he was at the door. Lad, 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 lads. Kebab and beers. Lads on tour. Um, How was was the garlic bread guy? It's decent. It's not the warmest, but it'll do. Rick, your your kebab looks... From the outside in... This this has got to have chips as well. It looks massive. It does look big. I don't remember asking for chips, but okay. So let me describe it. I've taken I've taken the plastic bag off. I've taken the white paper wrapping, which you can hear. I'm sure everyone's appreciating that. It's come with a token salad. So never in a, used in a plastic container, which I might reuse. A little bit of lettuce, a little bit of red red onion, which I'm a big fan of. Mm-hmm. I wonder if this is to go in the kebab. Probably. I mean, I never would eat that, but yeah, I imagine some people would. And then. In a po- an orangey golden polystyrene case, which is quite typical with a takeaway, yep. with the two little flaps. You ready? Yeah, go on. <sighs> oh, she looks dark. That's lamb, sheesh, and Donna. <laughs> oh, fantastic. How's this? I tell you what, I'm all right with that. Are you happy with that? Yeah, I'm all right with that. Right. I've dipped in um, a bit of lamb kebab. Yeah. In a bit of dip. Get a pole, That's you? class, that. Wait, 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 wait. Let me get some Donna. I feel rude eating into the mic. I'll, I'll remove when I'm eating. It's a, the one downfall of this podcast is the ability to try and keep 
off mic, but also enjoy the food. That's the first piece of donut that's been in my mouth for probably 15 years. And that is nice. Greasy. But not the first piece of meat. <laughs> Greasy. So, am I right, it. guys? Am I right? <laughs> Slimy. Um, suspicious, but mega. What now, just return to the food section quite quickly. So those are your final meals. Thanks. That's also my final meal included. Mm. Um, the second question is, favourite restaurant in the whole world? Ooh. So for me, there was one. When me and, me and Abby live in a, in a house now, thankfully. I'm going to a house. We used to live in an old house. And it was near a restaurant. I think Rick knows its sister restaurant called Pacini's. Mm. And it's an Italian, hence the name. And there was a penne pasta that was called Penne Giggs. And apparently the rumour was it was Ryan Giggs' favourite meal, hence why they named it after him. And it was literally um, a penne pasta with this like meat and chilli. And it was just really nice. So I think I'm put on the spot. Having said that, another one, I'll give you a quick another one. Cow Shed in Liverpool. Okay. It's a, meat, it's a steak restaurant. It's right. unreal. Uh, they do a side. It's very, very basic, but so good. And it's potato waffles to fried eggs on top. Oh, lovely. Just love it. So, Pacini's in Manchester. Yes. Or Cowshed in Liverpool. In Liverpool. Yeah. Rick? I've got one. Give me a minute. Uh, it's in San Francisco. Oh, what a good oh, See, this is the... Yeah, okay, here we go. Here and we it's, go. It's on the top of Macy's. Travelled, have we? But I can't, <laughs> Someone's but I can't, doing okay. But I can't remember what it's called. It's called... It's dead common. It's not like... Um, Oh, restaurant. Cheesecake Factory. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now. yeah, I know there's Cheesecake Factory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. one in Dubai. There's one in the... Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That is... That is food. I've never had slices of cheesecake as big as the ones you get from Cheesecake oh, it's Factory. it's greasy. It's not... It's not... Um, you know, it's not... Vavavoom. It's not, you know... <laughs> as, as the Italians say... <laughs> Classic. That's what you say, um, the how you say, how you say, <laughs> I must admit, I forgot it was called Cheesecake Factory, but um, it's a good spot though. It's mega. Looking yeah. over, t- looking over Union Square, really nice spot. And then, can I pick another one? Or yeah, not? I'd love to. Uh, I've said this, but I don't know if I've got one. Cheese, so Cheesecake Factory, San Francisco, or also sort of anywhere in America now. They're yeah. quite. I had one in Florida. That that wasn't good. I thought it was going to be no. What do you think? Well, I was going to say independent, like home cooked, like. Cheesecake, but I just like to say McDonald's. They say that's me saying <laughs> restaurant. It's a lovely little quaint thing. Is um, Lime Street Station, Burger King. <laughs> you heard of Nando's? Yeah. <laughs> um, where else do I like to eat? Where would you, if you're taking your wife, you're married to, yeah? the, to the Ivy in Manchester. Great spot. Genuinely amazing choice. That the Ivy Brasserie in the sort of the city area of Manchester. Yeah. Yeah, it's mega. We went a couple of weeks ago, actually. One, because my eldest daughter's called Ivy. Yep. And I went to, I've went. i been to the Ivy in London. The Ivy? The Ivy. On West Street? Something like that. Yeah. This was donkey's years ago. With a, with a not my wife, a previous relationship. So Shut I've been out. with my wife 14 years, so it's been a long, long time. And um, that was the first time on a menu, I looked at menu like... Wow. I've literally got no idea what what does this what does this food mean. Mm. I ended up ordering you swordfish. swordfish. Yeah, the only thing literally on the menu, I was like, kind of know what that means. Yeah, <laughs> the rest of it, I was like, I don't know what any of this means. So yeah, I had swordfish, and if I remember correctly, it was nice. And I nicked a napkin from the Ivy. Nice, That's my claim to fame. Nice. Um, What's your thoughts on Five Guys? Five Guys, I love. If I'm going to get a burger. 
like that. Mm-hmm. That's what 100% right. Like Shake Shack's good. Mm. Shake Shack's also sort of similar vein to Five Guys. Very expensive. If I'm going to go to Five Guys, I will go all the way as well. That's my qualm with I love Five Guys. I have yeah. the day, actually. It's just that it's 15 quid for a burger and chips. So, so expensive. But then being in London, that's what you pay for everything. Well, true. Um, can we go back to golf for a second? That's the food section, by the way. I enjoyed that. Probably the best bit. Um, both junior golfers. Both sort of... You, I'm 27. You're similar to me, Guy. I'm 30. 30. Rick, you're older than me. 35. You know, 35. you know food and stuff so much more than I Yeah, do. I feel like living in London has made me do that. And I feel like my girlfriend's a big foodie. Mm. I don't know. I just sort of being in London, you sort of get to... Makes sense. Yeah, get to do something like that. We bo- we've all been junior golfers and I sort of look back fondly on those memories. What's your favourite memory of junior golf Go on. can I just that one because I'm not eating one. Because one thing I used to do I used to get so back in the day strata golf balls yeah. they don't really make them anymore were super super soft super spinny and we used to have a par 3 golf course where I used to play and me and my mate used to get like a dozen strata pro, tour professionals brand new out the box or tour balatas and I was obsessed with spin obsessed with backspin and all we'd do brand new box i'd go up to the green he'd hit his 12 shots into the green i'd watch him spin yeah i would then go back to the tee hit my shots he was on the green watching him spin we could do that for hours and hours and hours that's yeah. like that and just being dropped off i used to get well dropped off or i used to get the bus actually leave my golf clubs at the golf club um you just get dropped off at super early in the morning and get picked up at Eight, nine o'clock at night. Yeah. That, like, literally, and spend a fiver. I look back f- so fondly on those memories of being a member of Preston Golf Club, of like sitting in the locker rooms oh, yeah. with my mates, where we'd play, we'd, we'd play cricket with golf clubs. We'd just dick about yes. in the rain. And then I didn't realise, this is crazy, I don't know if you had a similar thing, I didn't realise until I started playing golf again that you had to book tea times. I never booked tea times yeah, as a junior. Yeah, you're just there. I just, went, I just sat in the locker room and then said to the pro, I think it was Andrew, I'm going out. And he's like, yeah, go on for you. Yeah. I, think I didn't realise you had to book tea times. You know what? You'll, I'm sure you'll agree with me on this. We obviously were all, obviously were slightly different ages, but same kind of era. My fondest memory of being a junior, there's not one. It's just the whole vibe of it. And it was a yeah. cliche, but getting dropped off on a, on a Wednesday morning on school holidays, stay there all day. But I'm so grateful I was in an era where smartphones weren't a thing. Yeah. Because like you said then, we would have chipping comps, do putting comps, sit in the locker room, we'd play flipping hide and seek with someone's head cover, just stupid stuff, like you're dicking around. But now I feel like if I was that age, we'd all be sat on TikTok and looking at, I know it sounds really old manish, but you know what I mean? It was just, it was just there in the moment, like my whole life revolved around what I'd shot that day or who'd won the chipping comp or who, even weird things like my friend at a new golf club was a massive life event almost for me. It was like, oh, Ben's got a new driver. Oh, he's got a Cleveland launch. Oh my days. Yeah. Oh, getting a new pair of golf shoes was like a massive thing. And I just feel like that innocence, I just love it. You know, it was just so simple, proper again, cliche, but I loved it. I think, more juniors should play golf just because it's such it, it it does build so many kind of good personality traits mm. like for me that kind of whole thing of being honest if we were playing just us two in a junior comp and i went to the right and you went to the left and i said found my ball you have to just trust that and you have to just be honest yeah i think that's such a good like fundamental from playing golf from being from being young Rick, you're really enjoying the kebab, aren't you? <laughs> I'm, I'm enjoying this a lot. Yeah, this is class. Oh, great. I'm glad you enjoyed the podcast. It's good. Um, do you have a favourite junior golf memory? Looking for golf balls. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Going in a, in, a, in a hot spot on the side of a hole where there was out of bounds and just searching for hours. The third at Preston Golf Club. 
as it went away from the golf course on the right hand side. You could oh, be yeah, there yeah, in yeah, hours. Yeah, yeah. I think it's stroke index one. It's the hardest hole on the course. Really long par four on the right hand side. You get lost in there for, for days. I want to ask this question as, as well to you. I asked this to Pete when he was on the show and I'll, I'll, I'll set it up the same way. Are you ever, are either of you ever going to play on any golf tour? Me? Yeah, both of you. I'm no, not Fine. So with that established, you both wanted to be a professional golfer when you started out. When did that realization hit you that you were never gonna meet your ambitions? So for me, I was really fortunate that like, as you'll know, when you're junior golfer at a golf club, you can, if you get quite good, you can become a big fish in a small pond. Yeah. If you get down to nine at the age of 15 in some golf clubs, you might want to be one of the best players in the whole club, never mind as just a junior. But for me, I was at a golf club where the guy, a lad who was my exact same age called Paul Howard was better than me. And he played for Lancashire and he was a really good golfer. And there's a lad a few years older than me called Andy Butcher. So I, he was really, really good as well. So I think at the age of 16, I got down to four. So wow. I was decent and I could probably, I could have turned PGA professional. But Paul, who was my age, was off about two or scratch. There's a couple of other lads and they, they were good, but they weren't even that good in the Lancashire region. And then Tommy Fleetwood was my age. So I'd played in comps with Tommy Fleetwood would play. I was off like nine. He was off like plus two. Yeah. So I think I got kind of told almost by what was going on around me, probably 15, 16, that I was a decent amateur golfer for my age, but nowhere near good enough at being a, a playing pro. Fine. Whereas I think you were a little bit later, weren't you, Rick? Yeah, through... Um, Rick, you've got some mayo in your beard. I love that. I was going to tell him. I was going to tell it's him. It's good that filmed. Um, it's not mayo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, um, is that a cock joke? <laughs> you know what, what that gag is? <laughs> <laughs> he's playing with a few big cocks um, I when I was at my golf club there was nobody really that, that much significantly better at my age because I remember you said that you were the you were the best I was the best but I, listen there was no newspaper articles being written about me or anything I was just the best of a bad bunch let's say <laughs> I, I realise that now and probably didn't realise at the time it was when I came to college at 16 I realised oh crap i'm not even close like not like even lads at college like who you've gone to college because you're not really going to make it in my head i was still making it like in my head i was still going for it and then i was got to 16 i was like oh no, i'm nowhere near i'm not even close and that unfortunately for me didn't exactly spur me on to get better it div- diverted me the other way i was like well if i'm not good enough i might as well get pissed and go out every night at preston right. And then it kind of, when I got to 18, I was like, oh, what do I do now? I was like, well, I still want to work in golf. Like, I still got a massive passion for golf, but I know I'm not going to be a tour pro. That's okay. What do I, what else do I like to do? Yeah. And that's kind of where I started to stumble and fall in love with kind of coaching, really. I think that's what's weird, though, with the golf as an individual sport, that like if you're a 16-year-old footballer and you hadn't been picked up by a professional club, you might make it, but you know that in reality, you've never had trials at anywhere. You, you, you know, or if you get released by all these clubs, you might move down the ranks. But in golf... In theory, you could make it at any age, in theory. So you might think, well, I'm 16, I'm only off five. But if I have two years of the best golf in my life and get down to plus four, I could get on tour. Yeah. It, it's weird, isn't it? I think no one's really going to ever tell you you're not going to make it, but it's so hard. But I think that's the hardest thing is, and I, you guys have spoke about this lots, and I've got friends of friends who are in this position. You can be on the tour and you could be struggling. Mm. Like that ain't a, li- that ain't a life. No. Like you... you You'll see people who go, oh, you play golf professionally. This isn't teachers. This is, you're on at all, whether it's the Clutch Pro or even the European Tour. And you're not making cuts. You're you're losing money. That's it. Imagine imagine you now are on the Challenge Tour and it's a Friday today. You've missed the cut. You're staying in a horrible 
hostel with a couple of other lads. You've got to then come back to the UK. Then next week you're back over in, let's just say, Portugal. You don't make a penny again. Yeah. Like, it, it's not. Unless you're doing well, it's a hard life. Can we talk about, Rick, the, um, the competition where it all went wrong for you? Yeah. So uh, when I started kind of YouTube, I wasn't bothered about playing golf. I was coaching. All, all I thought about was coaching. When I started making more videos, naturally I started playing a bit more, but again, not to any certain level. And then me and Pete Finch, probably in about 2014 or 15, kind of came up with this idea of trying to qualify for the Open. And over the next three years, my de- my game definitely improved. I became more focused. I became more comfortable playing in competitions because I've not played in competitions for ages. Then the last event I played in, which was in 2017, the last Open qualifying I played in 2017, which was the June. And I played in that and didn't qualify. And in my head, I'd, I'm not doing it again. I'm not not going to bother. So for the next six months or so, I didn't really do anything. I didn't practice. I didn't didn't put any emphasis on my own game. And as June 2018 was starting to approach, I thought, do I go again maybe? Do I give it another go? It's content, potentially. So I committed to playing in this pro-am in Spain at Lumina, three-day pro-am. And I was feeling all right. The practice round I played in, I played great. Dead weird. But I don't particularly like pro-ams. So pro-am is where you're the pro and there's three amateurs playing with you. Yeah. And I find there's a lot of pressure on the pro. You took the team as well, don't forget. The people that the played team. flew over to be with you, didn't they? They paid to play in the team. I, I just think there's more pressure. Where all, right. A lot of the other events I played, it's just me and two other pros in a group. Yeah. No pressure. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to entertain them. I don't, it's just me playing golf with a couple of other pros. So the pro-am kind of format threw me off a little bit, but the practice round I played great. And the first day, I just just lost it like my ner- nerves kicked in um having a scorecard back in my hand again was like really f- foreign after like seven months not playing in the co- in a competition um all things that i probably had underestimated really and First, the only person posting a score here is you you're the yeah, score yeah and they're just there for a the, so the, there's a team event typically yeah so there's the best two from four as a team but there's a individual pro event right. so there's another 30 40 pros in there so it was just, it was. I just played terrible. Like first round, just couldn't get it going. So like, really, probably the worst I've ever played. Not, not one aspect of my game was good. And shot like eighty eight or something, eighty nine or something. It was, which was just like so horrendously bad, to the point where after I finished the round, I actually went to NR, which is like you don't hand your scorecard in. Yeah, you basically disqualify yourself because you didn't want to post that score. Well, that's the thing because social media. I have to put something on social media. People yeah, yeah. know I'm playing in this event. So I, I had to post something on social media. I thought, I can't post an 89 on social media. It's just going to be like, horrendous. So I honestly contemplated nr in. So I went into the, into the clubhouse and said, <clears throat> you know, I'm thinking about pulling out the tournament. And they said, well, it's the three-day event and every pro that finishes wins a prize money. Right. Even if you come dead last, you're going to win prize money. If you NR now, you win nothing. So it's reputation in your mind or trying to get some sort of finance from Just something, yeah. yeah. So I thought, oh God. And I thought, well, I don't know. I don't really want to do that because I only have to play two more rounds of golf and I, and I make money. Yeah. <laughs> like, I literally have to play two more rounds of golf and I will make money. Or do I just NR and nobody knows about it? <clears throat> so I decided to have my cut scorecard in. Really embarrassed that night. Went out for dinner. All, all Loads of other players. It was just embarrassing, really shocking. Probably had a few too many drinks. Next day, I didn't play, didn't play much better. And then the third day, I played a tiny bit better, but the score was already racked up by that point. And um, 
So in the end, I did. I don't think I came dead last. I think I came second or third to last in the end, and um, picked up was it about a grand or something? I can't remember what it was. I think it was a thousand euros. So I made a video saying how bad it was, and don't I actually donated all the funds to uh, junior golf events around the globe. Great. Um, so after that. I was very worried about that video, but it got a great response because I was dead honest and transparent about it. I said, I played crap. Uh, you know, it's really embarrassing. I'm kind of sorry if I let anyone down, but the response was really positive. A few negatives, but fairly positive. And it was that point where I was like, well, I don't want to really play in competitions anymore. Like the pressure of online has almost the got too big you, for The me. bit that you've missed out there that I remember vividly because I was with Rick at this time, I was working with Rick, is that when he had those scores... It ended up going on, I think it was My Golf Spy or Golf WRX, which was a massive golf website and golf forums, trending number one, right. above news about Tiger Woods coming back from injury, I think it was. Yeah. So it was massive, wasn't it? It was and it was weird because I think now, in hindsight, it's actually been, for Rick, probably a blessing because in some ways it's made you focus on the content as opposed to playing. But also it showed that relatability. We've done a full podcast episode all about it. Rick's done a full video all about it. Obviously, we're talking about it kind of now openly. Yeah. So... Very, very occasionally, you'll get a bit of a troll who'll comment. It's typically on Facebook, weirdly. He'll say, like, oh, what do you know, you shot? And they'll put a link to the scores. Right. And then Rick will just reply with a case. Well, I'm open that. I had to put the podcast link or the video link. Yeah. That comment back might get, like, 4,000 likes, honestly. Mm. And it's it's actually a blessing in disguise, weirdly, because everybody plays bad golf. And the scores that Rick shot, that was at like high 80s, although they sound horrendous and they're not great, they're them kind of scores that can happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, you lose a ball here, you, you, you three-put there. I've done it. The only golf I play. Well, that, so, but that's it. But it's like that was amazing. So many people said, "I'd love to shoot that score." Yeah, yeah. It, it's. I think were people, and I understand it. Where they get confused is because Rick's called like Rick Shields PGA, and he's a PGA pro. They think of PGA Tour, mm. and they think that a golf pro has to be an elite golf golfer who plays in the tour, which obviously you don't have to be. Um, would you try and play in the Open again? No, that's that's it. Not even trying to get through qualifying. It sounds daft, and this is crazy. If I could genuinely, I'm enjoying this. If I could genuinely try it incognito, I'd probably give it a go. Well, so you think the quote unquote the fame, just especially the, in the golf world, is is sort of getting in the way of that. If I could literally, because I did enjoy playing in it to a degree. If I could literally put my name down as Joe Bloggs, yeah, go out at seven thirty in the morning. Nobody knew I go out. Nobody knows what I shoot. I'd yeah. like to experience it again. Yeah. But that's not going to happen realistically. So, which is fine. It's just, you know, I don't have to. It's not a life mission of mine. Yeah. Because I know I'm not good enough as well. You know what's mad, though? It's the, the levels, like, the, the Open did a series about people trying to get in the Open. Mm-hmm. There was James Robinson, Peter Finch, uh, a guy called Sam Forgan. And obviously they picked Pete because obviously he's got a massive following. They picked James Robinson because he's done the Open before and he's got a bit of, like, um, kind of, again, fame, if you like, from some of the stuff he's done with us. And then this Sam Forgan guy from down south we picked because he's just a, a really good golfer who's not quite at that level of, like, the European tour. Wins everything on, like, local tours. He got through both stages of Open qualifying and, like, killed it got to the open didn't make the cut and like he compared to like local pros is an absolute he's just oh, a he's different a superstar. level honestly Fine. he's a superstar you put him in the open and say like there you go you've got the same chance as everybody else and he can't make the cut and it's just so he's but he's so good it's just absolutely solid and at this point rick's finished the kebab <laughs> well done pal he stood up not quite sure why he stood up though <laughs> where are you going he's gonna bow a vom <laughs> Get, all the way. Nice. At this point, Guy, yes. um, should Peter Finch play in the Open? That's a joke question, no, no, obviously. No, 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 he should. It's a little joke. No, he absolutely little. should. Um, I do want to talk about the whole thing. Yeah, 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 of course. Because 
there was an absolute storm in a teacup. Yeah. <laughs> no, go on. I, I am happy to talk about this. There was a storm. There was an absolute storm yes. recently. And I sat back with my popcorn. Of course. And just was like, this was fascinating. This, everything blew up. And I, at this point, I knew Pete a little bit because he yeah, was on yeah, my yeah. show and I'd got to know him. And I, I don't think we were talking yet. And I certainly hadn't met Rick. Um, but he is still trying to play competitive golf. Still mm. is playing competitive golf on a local tour level, I guess. Yeah. And he was trying to play in the open. Yes. Uh, through qualifying. And you spoke about that on the show. And there was a question mark over how supportive you were of that. Yeah, yeah. Continue. Yeah. So, no, basically, we, we did, in the end, three podcasts. The first podcast was after Pete's um, open qualifying, where we discussed his performance and stuff like that. And there's a couple of things that I said on reflection weren't said. I, I mean, I said, for example, the elephant in the room, which, yeah. by definition, wasn't necessarily the worst thing to say, but the way I probably implied it was like, ooh, kind of thing, which makes already, already tease you up for saying... We're probably going to say some bad stuff here or whatever. And then I discussed what I thought about Pete's ability, his performance, his... Um, what, what, what was the word I'd use? Um, the reasons why he was doing it. Mm-hmm. We then had Pete on the podcast to kind of clear the air. But just, I want to clear this up as well. This wasn't planned. No, 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 not at all. Because it went wild. It went absolutely massive. So the first podcast did very well on views, the one without Pete, and people were having their opinions. Because a lot of these people that listen to the podcast, and rightly so, are fans of Pete and of Rick. Of course. Then when Pete came on, I felt very defensive because I'd got an absolute flack on social media, rightly or wrongly so. So I was taking that out on Pete, if I'm telling you the truth, because yeah. I saw him as the reason that I was getting that flack. When he was in this building? Yeah. So I was wow. he was sat where you are, and I was sat there. Come back, Rick. We're uh, really getting into this, no, man. I, I felt a little bit at the time, like, it was cool, because he did a tweet as well, saying, like, something like, I'll never give up whatever, or yeah, yeah, people, yeah. and, like, tagged us in it. So I got loads of direct, like, abuse. And that didn't bother me, really, because it's just words on the screen. But what bothered me was the fact that I spent the whole evening at the time looking at these comments, which I knew was stupid. What are you going to gain from that? Um, and then the third podcast we had from it was where we actually just kind of put all that to bed and just had a normal kind of chat, which went down really well. Yeah. I think what people sometimes don't like is, I understand this, there's obviously a kind of a culture where it's like, you know, obviously don't put people down, which I agree with, mm-hmm. and everyone can have dreams and aspirations and, you know, don't tell people not to do stuff or whatever. And, you, and there's always these amazing stories that we hear about now through social media. Was it Richard Bland played 400 yeah, crazy. events yeah. or something and then won once? There's always going to be these amazing stories. You know, Ian Poulter turned pro off four. Was it Monty started golf at 16? But my opinion at the time was that Pete wasn't good enough to get through and people didn't like that, which is understandable. But if I was criticising the performance of Raheem Sterling playing for Man City, yeah. that's allowed. He's a yeah. professional footballer if he has a bad game or whoever it might be. But yeah, um, it, it went big. It did go big. It was big. good for the podcast. <laughs> Got loads did, of new listeners. How did it feel from your side, Rick? Because when I had Pete on the show, right? Yeah. Again, I'm a self-confessed YouTube golf geek, right? So I put my question to him, which was, are you and him still mates? Because yeah. I actually didn't feel like that had been addressed anywhere at that point. Yeah. Like it was honestly... Beef you or something. I was, yeah. I was I was going for the views, man. Yeah. It's actually one of our most viewed videos. I've, I've seen it. Thanks, pal. <laughs> um, it's um, I asked it because genuinely, and the reason I asked it is because there was no answer anywhere, and I googled it, and yeah. it was honestly one of the most googled questions. No, it wasn't. It was, and I'm not. That's not bullshit. I think yeah, that's it was it. one of the most googled questions. Are Rick Shields and Peter Finch still mates? I'm look at that now. Right? Yeah. Go Whereas on. I actually feel since then. I feel there's a lot more content out there on it. Like I did a thing on it. You guys have done a podcast together where it's been addressed. So it doesn't really feel that much of a question anymore. 
But what, I'm gonna what ask, do you think? I think that you. Oh my god, there's the full Reddit on it. Yeah, man, people love this. <laughs> Um, what do I think? Yeah. I think we live in a media world where people from the outside in view you as best mates and you're probably not. Agreed. And people think if you do stuff together, then you have to be best mates. You definitely don't have to be. Yeah. And people probably think that you were a lot closer throughout the whole process than you were. You probably nailed it. So obviously I, I knew Pete when we were at college together and he was from Preston. He wasn't kind of because he lived out of college, and I've addressed this on a podcast recently, he lived out of college. We weren't like best mates, but we knew each other pretty well. We did our PGA training together, which was really fun, but you're only there at the Belfry for a week a year. So we spent three weeks together for three years. Mm. Then when he moved to Trafford, I was super busy, and he'd started at Trafford. I'd started making videos, he started making videos. And at first, I'll be honest, I was a bit like, is this... Was this guy making bloody videos? Because you were the first to I'm, that. I'm the bloody video man. <laughs> I'm the video guy. Don't be doing this crap. So at first I was a bit like, what's he doing? But to be honest, once he started, because he never asked me for advice at that point either. And what I found was once he started releasing content, I was like, actually, it's pretty good. Mm. You know what? Actually, I quite like what he's doing. So it seemed natural. I was making videos. He was making videos. We're both at Trafford. We started to collaborate a lot more. We started to make videos together and it kind of became a bit the Rick and Pete show yeah. uh, for a time. And what then took place, probably in about 2016, I decided to leave Trafford. So I didn't want to be at Trafford anymore. I wanted to set up a, a, a different golf academy on my mm-hmm. own. And when I told Pete that, he said, well, I'll do it with you. Cause I was like, fine, because I could probably, I don't think I'd really want a full ca- golf academy all to myself all the time. So we went over to Lytham, we set up a golf academy together. It was dead easy because it halved the cost of everything. He brought value in different ways, I brought value in different ways. And we set up a golf academy in Lytham, which is James Robinson's Bay. Sure. You, you were in recently. Yeah. So we set that up. And what was really strange about that time period is we probably saw less of each other then than any other time, really. Because we coached on different days. So how it works, seven-day rotor, obviously. It, I would work three days, he would work three days, and it, the, the day for filming in there. But we'd never really see each other. Which makes complete sense. It's like on a radio station, for me, people go, oh, you must be best friends with yeah. the people who are on drive. We're at completely different times. You never so, see, yeah. see them once a year. Yeah, yeah. At the start like party or whatever. Yeah. So, so at that point in time, the only time we really saw each other was making videos and we still did make videos. And then just naturally, you know, life took over. I've got, I've had three kids in that time period. I've got married and, you know, my commitment started to change and as did probably, as did Pete's. And it got to a point where, you know, the content course vlogs and stuff, we started to see that maybe they're not the best thing in the world to be doing every week because they don't bring in the most views or et cetera. And Pete wanted to pursue his playing a bit more. And I kind of got to that point, as we just discussed, I don't really want to play anymore. So that kind of was a difference in thoughts as well. So it just kind of naturally went that way. And then when we moved to Prairie, another golf facility we had, again, similar idea. We hardly ever saw each other, really. Mm. So it was that it was that period of time where we didn't really see each other a load. He wanted to play more. I didn't want to play as much. I was having kids and family and whatever else. So naturally, like I say, we didn't see that each other that much. And like you said, people on video can't believe it. Like if Pete got married, 
if we put a poll out, I reckon 99% of the people would expect me to be the best man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know, that's yeah. what people would think Yeah, I would be the best man to his wedding as he would be to mine, you know, as I would be to guys. But that's not real life. That's, that's... No. It's, it's, people have other friends. Like. <laughs> yeah. So... You're right. We weren't best friends, but we we're really good, friendly and stuff. And it worked really well for a long period of time. Um, and then you just started to make other content. I started to make other content. Fine. And then when we come back together, like we went on a mad night out last week in London, in uh, Liverpool. Amazing. Amazing night. We played a course vlog last week. Amazing course vlog. I love spending time with him when he came in the podcast. It was great chatting to him, yeah. going over old memories and things like that. So it's just how things have evolved and changed and yeah. differed. It's not, there's no... Beef. I think I think what's mad that annoyed me a little bit out of all the comments because obviously some of them were kind of fur, some of them were just stupid. It's like this mixture of some comments that are like say, "Oh, you should have articulated your points better," or whatever. That's a fur comment. People that say something dead negative about me are just stupid. That was like, well, that's that much of a silly comment. I'm not going to get annoyed by that. But there was quite a lot of people who say stuff like, "Oh, guy, guys, obviously come on board," and he's jealous of Pete and Rick's relationship or all this nonsense. But what they don't realise is that. Some people, and this is fine, I think I've only known Rick or whatever since they started watching the podcast 18 months ago, which isn't the case. Um, obviously, worked with Rick since, I think, October of 17. And like, I've known Pete for not as long as I've known Rick, but not that far off. Since yeah. he, and there's a video, I just got it up there, and there's a video on Pete's channel when he went to do, and do a Nike product launch from the December 2015 of me, him, and Rick like playing golf. I think people just they like to create like situations in the head almost to yeah. try and put things together. But you might watch three of Rick's videos a week, which total probably an hour, and then a podcast, which is another hour. That's two hours a week out of however 150 hours a week there are, whatever. People don't know everything. No. But you do think Mark Crossfield's a massive... <laughs> <laughs> so, is that the title of the video? Now, you know what? I've met him a few times. I don't think we see eye to eye. Sure. And that's quite clear. Um, but I have to respect he was the first person to start really doing YouTube golf. Oh, is that true? I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. So when I first started, it was him and me, my golf. Mm. That was it. The two blokes. And a few, a few in America, but very, very limited. So he was, he was definitely one of the first people to kind of pioneer it as such. Um, but I, I don't think we're ever going to be best friends. You know what? This <laughs> is, <laughs> uh, uh, is um, golf Twitter going to come for me after that? No, no. I think you it's know, quite open. I think okay, people. Know but you know that. what? Though this is this might be controversial. It might not. You might cut this out. It might not. But truthfully, I just don't mean to sound like a cock. He's not even a thought anymore. He's into like competitor and stuff. Really, it's um, it's like he's so far. Like he's got three hundred, four hundred thousand subs. It's got one point eight million. It's it's not even a thing. One of the things that was quite interesting. So I ran the YouTube Golf Day back in two thousand nineteen. Sure. And I wanted to invite all creators, as many as I could possibly invite. And one of the things that probably showed that maybe we weren't going to be best friends is I genuinely wanted him there. So I emailed him and said, I'd love you to be at the YouTube golf day. I gave him a rough time of when it would be of the year. And we're doing it for charity. And he just said, no. Wow. I was like, oh, wow. Like, at least if I make give you the date, make up an excuse at your wedding. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. like, it was just a straight out no, which was a real shame because I thought that could have been a real moment that we might have had a few beers and laughed it off or whatever, or we might have become best mates and whatever. I don't know. I doubt yeah. it. But that, that was a clear sign to me. I was like, okay, he doesn't want to get involved in the YouTube community. So what did he say your videos were like? Um, Tuna sandwiches. No, he said- uh, Prawn sandwiches. Smoked salmon. He said something about- um, Try and review a club of smoked salmon or something. I think you know what it- Yeah, I could go- Yeah. Anyway. Guy, <laughs> go on. No, it's- <laughs> no, it's <laughs> We've worked too hard. You know what, though? I, I actually, in some ways, I 
whereas he didn't come to YouTube Golf Day, Rick saw his missed opportunity. I can yeah. completely get that idea. Weirdly, a part of me respects it. Yeah. Because just because he makes YouTube videos, why does he have to be friends with anybody else that also does? Totally true. Like, if he wants to make a nice living for him and his family and have nice things, which he clearly has done, and fair plays with his own back, and wants to then not do anything else outside of that, why not? Like, I, I can see both sides. Yeah. It's completely up to him. If it was... Um, Mysco College on the tennis courts, you versus him in a punch up. Ricard comes out. <laughs> Don't start this. <laughs> Gents, it's been an absolute pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, um, genuinely, thank you so much for doing this. This was the Dangerous Dinners podcast. Before you go, can you rate the takeaway for me, Guy? First, you had garlic bread. You know what? It was all right. Six out of 10. Great. What a review. Um, I'm going to give mine a solid 8.75 out of 10. You destroyed it. Yeah. It was lacking in a few areas. You know what? This is mad complaint. Too much beef. Too much meat. Wow. No, I never said never that. Heard, never much. heard Rick complain about the amount of meat in his mouth. Well, <laughs> these jokes are stopped. Yeah. I, uh, a little bit too much. Not enough the naan wrappy thing. Yeah. But packaging. Can't, can't fault the flavour. Can't fault the packaging. Sure. This pizza box is super premium. And thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you for treating us. No, 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 no. Thank you. Uh, that was the Dangerous Dinner Podcast. Thanks, John. Putting the star in one-star reviews. It's the Dangerous Dinners Podcast. Ah, that is it. We are done. Um, what a pleasure that was. That was a good one, wasn't it? That was a joy. Could you tell I was a bit nervous at the start of that episode? I did interview that week. I interviewed Ed Sheeran and Liam Payne. And Rick Shields, a golf YouTuber, had me more nervous than any of them. Um, it was a really fun episode. Make sure if you enjoyed today's episode, you scroll down and like and subscribe and rate and review and all that good stuff. We'll be back same time next time for another episode. And if you're a fan of live podcasts, we might have something for you over the next few weeks. I say no more. Um, Before we go, thank you to our uh, sponsors who helped us out with today's show. Thank you to Fresh Grills. They are the specialists in outdoor cooking equipment, including those ceramic egg-shaped Komodo ovens and pizza ovens. They've got it all. They have changed my barbecuing up. My barbecuing is a million times better now, thanks to Fresh Grills. I am slow cooking ribs, and I never thought I'd be able to do that. It also does your traditional burgers and all that sort of stuff they are the specialists in outdoor cooking equipment in your own backyard grill smoke see a slow cook roast bake they got you go and check them out they're fresh grills and thank you to the mia golf club as well in the north of england just outside of manchester one of my favorite golf clubs to play they are absolutely incredible there it's a beautiful golf course i also play my best golf there as well which is crazy i don't know why that is it's just so amazing. Make sure you go and check them out. So thank you, The Mia, and thank you, Fresh Grills, for the love. And we'll be back next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.